You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Luke 2, 8 through 15. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. This is the word of the Lord. Well, speaking of babies, um, Lauren had her baby this week, and uh, that is really good news. Yes. Um, It is shocking that we clap more for that than the baby announcement of being born in Bethlehem. Anyway, uh, that was mean. Sorry. That was really mean. Um, that was a joke, too. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that is worthy of applause. Lauren is, was really ready to have the baby, and Brindley was born uh, this week, and the details of that um, should come to you from somebody other than me. But it was really exciting. Everyone's healthy, um, and they are really, really rejoicing this morning, and they are rejoicing not here. They're at their house, and so they should be, and so that is really, really good news. And we come to this text today uh, that my wife read, and we see the angels appearing in Scripture. We see these angels appearing, and when angels appear in Scripture, they are serving either as messengers or as warriors. And as messengers, I'm just going to be a little honest with you, like, There's times when I read when angels show up and they have a word from the Lord, there's a part of me that wishes, can you give me more? Like, I mean, these are angels. These are messengers. They're they're worshiping and they're in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords and God the Father and Holy Spirit and all of that. Like, And they come and they just sort of give us this much. And there's a part of me that's always wondering, oh, give me more, give me more. Well, in this text, the angels disclose a lot. They disclose quite a bit. It's amazing news. It's beautiful news. And let's pray <coughs> as we consider this news. Lord, thank you for life. Thank you for this news. Thank you that this news It's good and beautiful and rich. And I pray, God, as we've been praying all morning, as we've been praying all week, if there's anyone in this room that this news has not come and sunk deep and made them alive, I pray, oh God, that you would do that today. I pray 
in this preaching that I would not say anything you don't want me to say and I would say exactly what you would want me to say so that we can rejoice in this great, wonderful, beautiful news. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, we see in this text that the angels disclose some amazing news, quite a bit of news. We look at this text in Luke chapter 1, and <laughs> sorry, haven't coughed all morning until just now. Um, we lead up to this, this text in Luke chapter uh, 2, verses 1 through 6, and there's already quite a bit that we see happening here. Luke, who's usually pretty succinct in what he says, uh, pretty methodical in, in what he puts down, says that there's several things that are amazing that have happened. Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. No exclamation marks. Typical Luke. Just like I announced the birth of Brindley Wells. Ba-bomb, 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 ba-bomb. It's like, give me more. Like, come on, this is exciting. And then... <laughs> We get to verse 8, and it's almost like the crescendo takes off. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is amazing. There, what is it that the angels are bringing? What is the news that Luke's given a little more details about here? What is being said? The first of the first of the the many things that are being said is this: fear not. Oh, how important this must be for the first thing that angels say to these shepherds. As messengers, they are bringing a message from the divine sovereign. That message is always important. And their presence is intended to paralyze the receiver, to interrupt what the receiver of the message is doing, to be stunned. Oh my word, what is happening right here? This is an intentional interruption from the angel to the shepherds. And it's important that they begin with fear not. We have a little dog that looks like a shepherd, looks like a sheep sometimes. She's white, she's little. There's times she wants to get up in the morning too early, like 2 a.m., and go out into our kind of big backyard, but not big backyard. And there's been times where we go out there, because she's so little, we're like, there could be, now that we have neighbors all around, it's not that big deal. But when we first moved there, we thought there could be like wild dogs. There could be all sorts of things out there. And one time, I know I was walking Lucy outside at two in the morning, 
just barely awake, had my little flashlight out, and there came into my presence something that startled me, something that would have startled her, that did startle her. You know what it was? An armadillo. And it was enough for me to go, oh, should Lucy be afraid? Should Lucy not be afraid? What should I do? Should I come in between her? Should I? That's an armadillo. This is an angel of the Lord coming, appearing to them, and the glory of the Lord shining around them. Naturally, they are filled with fear, and the message is fear not. Fear not because the news that this messenger from the divine sovereign is bringing is not horrible news. It's good news. The angel is saying to them, fear not. I'm not coming to trouble you. I'm coming to bless you. I'm not coming to terrify you or shake you or quake you, but to involve you into a love story that is beyond your comprehension. Fear not because, oh, this is good, good news I'm bringing you. In verses 10 through 12, we see the news specific. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Fear not, because this is news that I'm bringing that is good. It's good news, first of all, that leads to great joy. In the history of telling news, how many stories can you recall? How many news stories from newscasters can you recall that, be, that begin with, I know you're shocked by my presence, I know you're shocked by this news, but it leads to great joy. Today you turn on the news, how, my, how many people tell you, I've got news that's going to lead to your joy. One comedian once said, you've probably heard it before, the news should be just called, here's what's wrong. This is news that is good because it leads to joy. Also, it is good, the angel comes, this is news that will be for all the people to hear. There's been times I've turned on news and we hear this news report of some store that was robbed in Vermont. And I'm like, I mean, that's, that's bad, but how does this affect me in Salado? This news is for all the people, not just the rich people in the castles, not just the highly educated people who can read, not just for the news of the people who are expecting it even, not even for the news. This isn't news just for the scribes and the teachers and the Pharisees and the upper religious. This isn't news just for the, the princes and the queens and the royalty. This news is for all the people of all the levels of society. This news is for you, no matter how you've entered into this room. This is good news that leads to your joy. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is good news for all people. This is news. Think about the shepherds receiving this news. This is news that is happening 
today. This is news that was happening for them today. It's as if the angels are saying, we're not here to ordain you shepherds as prophets about something that's going to happen someday later. No, that's been done. The prophets have spoken. The prophets have been announcing this day, today, this news is happening that leads to joy, and it's happening today. And shepherds, the angels coming to the shepherds are saying, this news is happening that's good, that's shaking things up, that's leading to your joy. It's happening for everyone. It's happening today, and this is happening to you. For unto you is born this day. It's in your day, shepherds. It's in your town. I mean, we're out in the field and it's right. See those lights like it's right there. It's in your circumstances. It's in your life, your story, this news enters. In Matthew, it was announced that his name is Emmanuel, God with us. This messenger of God comes to these shepherds saying this, today God has come to you. He has come. He is here, Emmanuel. In <coughs> this text, the angels say he is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He has come, the Messiah that has been talked about, the Messiah that has been prophesied about today has come to you. And here's the specifics. You will be, you will see, this will be a sign for you, and you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I love how specific the angels are now getting with the shepherds. Like, this is for you. It's good news. It's going to lead to your joy. He is the Savior. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in an unusual place, a manger. All of that is great and good and angelic news that is worthy to shake us, to move us, to inspire us, to shove us out of the ordinary into the extraordinary. But in this case, one of the only cases in Scripture that we see the angels make an announcement, there is even more that is disclosed here. As we continue in verse 13, almost like there's just this, I can't help it, but I just got to say more kind of response from the angels. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. It's as if the angels couldn't hold back any longer. It's as if this redemptive plan that was first announced in Genesis 3 has finally come to fruition. And they're like, 
You can't hold us back. We're coming and we're singing and we're making sure that these shepherds know this is unlike any day in the history of all the histories. This is good news. Glory to God in the highest means. God has been glorified in the heavenlies. And now this glory is coming down on and in the presence of the people and it will be seen and passed on through peace that comes from God to us. Peace. Peace. Each week during Advent, we're looking at a word of emphasis, and we looked at hope, we looked at faith, and last week we looked at joy. Here we see the angels sing peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. Do we ever really think about what this peace means? What Linus was talking about in the Christmas special? What the angels are announcing here? There are two very important questions we should ask as we see this announcement. Two questions that we're going to look at today. The first question is this. What does this peace on earth mean for us? The second question is this. Who is this peace for? One at a time. What is meant by this peace on earth? I think that this peace addresses two important realities that Jesus has come to give to us, to rescue us from and to move us into. And those realities are this, a relational peace that leads to an inner or personal peace, a relational peace that leads to an inner peace. This announcement is that he is bringing Relational peace. An important backstory that we forget that David talked about several weeks ago is that we are on this earth, we are groaning and hoping. We are, we are experiencing a season of history ever since Genesis 3 that is called sort of this broken shalom. And just to unpack a little bit <coughs> of what happened in Genesis 3, in case you don't know, this is the day that both man and woman began to steer away from trusting and leaning, not on their own understanding, but leaning on their own understanding and allowing the serpent to lead them away from truths that God had spoken to them. God had created everything that was beautiful and wonderful. There was harmony. There was peace. There was a relationship between God and man and woman that was beautiful. Nothing was unhinged. Things were good. The serpent came, spoke to the woman, got the woman to question God, began to deconstruct some truth. The woman took the fruit, ate of it, shared it with her husband. He ate of it. 
We know there was peace with God before this moment because when God begins to pursue them, he's not coming storming on uh like in a, in, on horses with lightning bolts ready to strike, he's walking in the garden calling out to them. There's this peaceful, and then he begins to explore what had happened, and we see even before that they try to clothe themselves. They're, they're in shame. The vertical relationship with them and God is severed. They turn on each other. He blames her. I know that never happens in your marriage where things are falling apart and you, instead of making sure your relationship is vertically right, you just turn on each other all the time. It's her fault. It's his fault. This is why it's all messy. Well, that's what's happening here. In the beginning, everything was beautiful. Shalom was there. It was sweet. In this moment, Genesis 3, the shalom was broken. Because of this relationship, when the first sin entered, the relationship with man and God was broken. And because of this first sin, and also our own personal contribution to sin, we actually know very well the opposite of peace with God. What's the opposite of relational peace? You know it, right? Disagreements, aggravation, hostility, disharmony, agitation. On bigger scales, the agitation, disharmony, hostility transcends to fighting, to war. We lack this peace that comes from the most important vertical relationship that we can have, this relationship with God. We do not nor on our own, we cannot have this peace with God because of what happened in Genesis 3 and because of what we do with our own sin. And because the vertical relationship with God is broken, the horizontal relationships that we have with people are broken. I remember there was a time I was dating this girl and I was frustrated that uh, she wasn't doing, and, and we were arguing she wasn't doing the things I liked and I wasn't doing the things she liked. And we were just dating. I mean, this is college. Like, that, like, this isn't even marriage. And I remember going to the guy that I was interning with and he goes, Jason, uh, are you perfect? And I'm like, well, I mean, okay, no, I'm not perfect. And is she perfect? No, she's not perfect. So why do you think that two imperfect people can have a perfect relationship without God rescuing the relationship? Wait, wait, so you're saying it begins with me and my relationship with the Lord? Yes. The vertical relationship with God is severed and we lack peace with God. And when we lack peace with God, the spillover effect of that is we hurt people. We're hurting because we're aggravated with God in some way and we're frustrated with God and that hurt and that pain spills over to the people that we should be loving and caring for. No peace. But the angels, they are making this announcement. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. They are announcing that peace has come. What and how is this baby born in Bethlehem fixing this vertical relationship? 
We know the answer. We just sang about it. We sing four songs about it. But let's look in Romans chapter 5 together, and we're going to unpack just a little bit of this announcement and why this baby born has brought peace. We're going to read, we're going to actually go backwards. We're going to start in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. We're going to read 6 through 11, then we're going to go up to the beginning of the chapter in verse 1. Paul helps us here. He says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ, the one, the Savior, who was announced by the angels that has come, came. And at the right time, for the weak, for the dirty, for the shameful, for those with the broken peace with God, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will, since, will scarcely die for a righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. God, are you hearing what this is saying? The Son of God came to offer peace to the ungodly. The one who was righteous, the one who has all the authority. In order for peace to happen between two strongholds, the one who is stronger needs to be willing to say, I am accepting and actually offering peace to you. God, the Father, sent his Son to be the Savior by his blood. Who is he saving us from? Paul is saying here that we are saved, not just from hell. We are saved from the wrath of God. We are saved through Jesus from the wrath of the Father. This is peace. Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Jesus, the Christ, has come to live the obedient life that no one else could. And he paid the price that disobedient people should. And he offered this peace. He brings this peace. He sets the grounds for peace. Now, let's go up to verse 1 and here see how Paul actually begins this chapter. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, remember that, we'll come back to that later, we have what? Peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope for the glory of God or in hope of the glory of God. By faith, we have this peace. 
the angels announce this grand announcement, peace to you. The relational peace, vertical peace is now available because of what is happening right over there in that city. This Savior is born, will live his life, he'll shed his blood to make peace for you, for your relationship with God. Paul also says in Colossians chapter 1, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. This is amazing news. Does Paul say anything else about this? Well, sure he does. I'm glad you asked. In Ephesians chapter 2, he's like, this is all Paul wants to talk about. He goes in every book, in every chapter. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, we see this. Remember that you were, at that time, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope, And without God in the world, the vertical relationship is separate. There is no peace. There is no access to God. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God and one body through the cross, therefore killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace. Peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. Jesus Christ has come to live the obedient life that none of us could and paid the price that all of us should. He came to bring peace and to satisfy the wrath of God. Part of this glorious news is glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the heavens. Jesus has come to redeem the broken relationship that we have with the one who is in the heavenlies, to make peace and bring peace by bringing the Savior to us. The angels with all the ability to wipe out the shepherds and everyone around and just destroy everything with just the announcement of the king, come with the opposite news. We're not coming to destroy you, shepherds. I'm not saying the angels even thought this, but in my flesh, I think this sometimes. If I were an angel, which is probably why I'm me and not an Anyway, we're not here to destroy you, although I would like to destroy you. Like, you're sin, like you sinned against him. Like, what? What do you think? Like, no, it's just we come to give you good news. He wants peace with you. 
beautiful. We should never get over it. It should stun us, not just on December 18th. It should stun us in February 14th. And on July and in August, we should be stunned that God wants peace with me. And he did everything necessary to make it happen. That's just relational peace. The relational peace, the most important part is here in this announcement, but also I believe that the angels are announcing that with this vertical relational peace comes an inner peace, personal peace. Jesus coming, doing more than just fixing our place in eternity. He is coming and setting eternity in our hearts right here, right now. Again, the Apostle Paul tells us, for he himself is our peace. And oh, how we need this inner personal peace. Having peace with God leads to inner peace. We know the opposite of inner peace, don't we? We know that really well. We know frustration. We know worry. We know distress and stress and anger. We know bitterness well, don't we? We know that well. And if I could say it, we know what it is to be anxious and having anxiety rule the way we operate and act in our marriages with, as parents, as grandparents in, in the community. Well, Paul, again, we turn to Philippians 4, and he talks about how the vertical relationship being restored should come in and bring that inner peace. In Philippians 4, writing from Jell, <clears throat> he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. This is a man who once did not believe that the Lord was at hand. This is a man who once did not believe that the baby born in the manger was the offering of peace to restore him to God. He did not believe that. He was anxious, he was frustrated, he was angry, and he was killing Christians. And here, he says, the Lord is at hand. He believes in this Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to who? To God. And then what will happen? And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, in the very one that the angels are announcing to the shepherds. This is the peace that the angels are talking about, a peace with God that brings peace within. Do you have that this morning? Do you have that? If you do, don't 
stop celebrating it ever. Your kids don't like the gift that they were given. Don't let their frustration flow up to make you anxious. Be at peace. You may not have picked the right gift or done the right thing, or, but God picked the right gift, did the right thing to make the relationship right with you and make them have long-term joy way down the road once they look past December 25th. So the first question, what does peace on earth mean for us? It means relational peace with you and the Lord. It means inner peace that surpasses all understanding because of peace with the Lord. But the question we must understand is this. We must ask is who is this peace for? Who is it really for? Did you catch this part in Luke's message of what the angels said? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is not global peace. This is not world peace that the Miss America pageant contestant wants so badly. This moment that the angels celebrate is the work and the plan of God to bring peace to some. The peace that comes from God, listen, is conditional. This vertical peace, this inner peace is explained quite simply from the angel. It's for those with whom he is pleased. A while ago, you would have been like, Jason, just end the sermon there. That's great. You asked the heavy question, do I have this peace? And now you're making me question, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is my life pleasing to God? How am I to please God? What am I to do to please him? What can be done to make sure that I'm pleasing him? Well, there's your goal for 2023. Let's pray and go celebrate Christmas together. What if you were left with that? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace amongst those who are pleasing God. Well, if we look at the text that we've already looked at, We've looked at Romans 15 in the past few weeks. Here's what it says. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. How? In believing. That's right. We read in Hebrews chapter 11 these words. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Listen, God is not pleased with us when we throw our faith into lesser things. That's what broke the vertical relationship to begin with. Eve listening, trusting someone other than God. Cast her faith, not just in the serpent, but in her own idea of what God should be doing. Here's why God is not pleased with us when we cast our faith, throw our faith into lesser things. First of all, it devalues him as the ultimate and supreme pleasure and treasure. 
when we throw our faith into lesser things like a snake, like a husband, didn't mean to connect those necessarily, (laughs) expecting that man or that woman or that boss or this person to do everything that only God can do, we throw all of our faith into their works, into their actions. Guess what's going to happen? We're going to be disappointed. But even more offensively is, is this, that God is like, what are you doing? They cannot fulfill you like I can fulfill you. It is a devalue of him. And though we might gather here on Sunday mornings and say, glory to God. But if Monday through Saturday we're throwing our faith into everyone else but him, then our songs of his glory don't matter. Your life living out in faith in him is what's bringing him glory. God is not pleased when we throw our faith into lesser things because it values him as the ultimate supreme source of pleasure and treasure. But secondly, It displeases God when we throw our faith at lesser things because it robs us of peace. God sent his son for your peace. Jesus let go of equality with God, meaning he let go of the the constant worship and he came down into the broken shalom to give you peace. He was working The Holy Spirit's shaping and counseling and restoring you for your peace. And so when we choose to reject him and we're not listening to him and we're putting faith in other things, God's not pleased because you're devaluing, but he's not pleased because he's watching us spin the wheel of brokenness over and over and over again. So as we go back to Paul, And his prescription that we just read, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice always. Again, I'm going to say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Let's just start there. Do you today believe this? Do you believe this in your marriage? Do you believe this in your high school and your middle schools? Do you believe this at college? Do you believe this in that intense relationship that you're about to see and have a confrontation with? And do you believe that the Lord is with you? Start there. Do you believe this? What does that do for your peace? God's with me. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Folks, this requires faith. To come to God with everything, about anything, is faith. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This very act is a display that though, Lord, I'm hurting, Paul's case, though I'm chained up and wrongfully prisoned, you're here. I trust you. I believe you. I have peace. If you struggle with peace, I mean, if you struggle (coughs) with anxiety, Paul goes on to say, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellence and anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
God is all those things. Jesus is all those things. Think on him. This is the song of the angels to the shepherd. Christ has come for your peace. He came to fulfill all the promises, all the prophecies. He came to give you faith. He came to make it possible for you to have peace with God. He came so that you don't have to keep just eking by in this broken shalom. He came so that the hope and the faith will turn to joy and the overflow of that out of you and the inflow in you is peace. What the angels are doing when they're singing glory to God in the highest, they are giving us a glimpse of our home. So when you're struggling and you're anxious and you're afraid and you're worried, run to the child who was born for your peace. He came to us so we don't have to run from him. He came to save us so that we don't have to carry the weight any longer. He came to redeem us so that we can know forgiveness and purity again. He came to free us so the, broken, the chains that we deserve are broken and we are now connected to true love. And he came to reign and to rule not just in heaven, but in your family today. Let's ask him, oh God of peace, reign in my marriage. Reign in my children's life. Reign in the workplace. Reign in this church. Let's go to him now and pray these things as we pray. In a minute, we're going to sing and I want you to be mindful of what we're going to be singing about. We're going to be singing about this holy night, this Savior that has come. I invite you to sing that. Maybe it's the first time you will sing along and you will have that peace of Christ in you. Let's pray. Well, gracious God, I don't, we don't deserve Christ. We don't deserve the peace that you've chosen to give to us. We, but, but you are so kind and you're so big and you're so grand. Who, who am I to question that this is a good plan? It's the perfect plan, oh Lord, that you Oh, Heavenly Father, chose your Son to come to live the life I never could to bear the punishment that I should to give me peace. Father, I pray these prayers of thanks to you. Jesus, I pray these prayers of thanks to you that we would adore you. And if there's anybody in this room today that's struggling with peace in their marriage or peace with their children or peace with coworkers, that they would first come to you, make all their requests known to you, that you would be their peace, O oh Lord. Holy Spirit, teach us now. Show us where we need to repent and turn. 
or what we need to turn away from so that we can gladly run to the God of peace. In Jesus' name we pray.